0: So many American newsrooms um, are undergoing this, this, not just a gender reckoning right now, but a racial reckoning right now. And and we have major national newsrooms that don't look anything like the people they're aiming to serve. And I think if we don't better improve representation in American media and coverage that accurately reflects communities, we're doing a disservice. We're not building trust. And most important, we're not writing the accurate national narrative.
1: Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, social justice, and gender. I'm Ann Doyle.
2: And I'm Dana Harvey, your guest host for Powering Up, which is coming to you from the Motor City Woman Studios in Detroit.
1: And Dana, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you joining us as we enter our third season because as you know, we launched Powering Up in September of 2018 with the coverage of the tremendous memorial celebrations for the legendary Aretha Franklin, who was known all over the world and loved, but she grew up, she lived most of her life, and she's buried right here in Motown. So I was wondering, because you grew up here, what impact did Aretha and her music have on you?
2: You know, and I remember the the tribute and that week leading up to her her celebration was incredible. And just, you know, as a black girl growing up in the 70s, Aretha's voice was already a, a strong presence, you know, in my household. Her music was like an anthem for civil rights and women's liberation. And she had such defining songs like respect, you know, this oh, is yeah. what we're talking about, right? Just a powerful resonance to to her and her music and her message. Very strong, impactful on me and my my family.
1: Well, you bring a different and very, very important generational, racial, and life experience lenses uh, and perspective to our conversations. Because here I am, an Irish Catholic, baby boomer, daughter of a New Yorker and a Chicagoan, big sister in this Irish Catholic family of seven children did not grow up here, but we we absolutely share a passion and commitment for women's empowerment and social
2: justice. Absolutely, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be working with you, you know, as a, as a Gen X African-American woman who grew up in Detroit, a predominantly African-American city, you know, there are experiences that I've had that, you know, deeply root me and where I come from. But my interest, like yours, is to, to broaden how we can help and empower women. So I'm happy to be here with you, Anne. I appreciate it. And that is why we
1: are both so excited about our guest today, who is also all about empowering women and social justice. She is Emily Ramshaw co-founder and CEO of The 19th, which is a brand new source of news and information created to particularly serve women. And its name, The 19th, of course, refers to the Women's Suffrage Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which we all know was signed exactly 100 years ago. But Emily and her co-founders, interestingly, put an important asterisk in the title as a reminder of the millions of women of color who were denied the right to vote for decades, after 1920, and really still today. So there is so much unfinished business needed for the empowerment of women.
2: And I would like to give a little bit of background about Emily before we get started. So as we welcome her, I wanted to share that she was previously the editor-in-chief of the Texas Tribune, an award-winning and nonpartisan digital news organization, which won multiple awards, including a Peabody, one of the most prestigious journalism honors under her leadership. She's the daughter of journalist parents, a graduate of Northwestern University, and as a reporter for the Dallas Morning News, broke national stories about sexual abuse inside youth lockups and, and other abuses against those whose voices are rarely heard. This is incredibly important. So, with that, we also wanted to recognize that she serves on the board of the Pulitzer Prize. So, Emily, welcome to Thank our podcast. You.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for that incredible introduction, and thanks
1: for uh, inviting me to join you both today. And I know that you are coming to us from Austin, Texas. Indeed, indeed. Hook em. <laughs> Those Longhorns. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, let's begin by by the the reference, you know, to the whole 19th, which was clearly uh, the passage of that amendment to the Constitution, truly a watershed moment in U.S. history, and how interesting that we have arrived at another watershed moment in U.S. history during this centennial year, and. So I'm very interested in what you and your colleagues see as the missing links in journalism right now that prompted you to feel we needed uh, one more media source.
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, I'll start by saying this all began for me actually four years ago when Hillary Clinton was running for president, and we were uh, seeing all of these conversations in sort of the national media landscape about electability and about likability. And, you know, was there just sort of something about her that people, you know, couldn't get behind or couldn't vote for? And I was a new mom on, uh, on maternity leave with a tiny baby girl. And I remember in that moment just sort of being, outraged at at so much of the national narrative that was fueled by media coverage. And I thought to myself in that moment, we need a national news organization that is by women for women, uh, you know, uh, to spur sort of different conversations around representation and to more accurately reflect um, the majority of the American electorate. And so that's sort of uh, where the kernel of the idea began. It took another four years beca- before I could actually get myself in gear to really think about this, as anybody who's had a small kid at home <laughs> um,
1: could understand.
0: done. Yeah, a- and really our goal with the 19th is to elevate the voices uh, of women, particularly women of color uh, in American media with journalism that is entirely free to consume and entirely free to republish by every other news organization in America. So that's the sort of impetus for what we're trying to do. Um, you know, here's, here's what was missing. Uh, the reality is in uh, most American newsrooms, you know, the, the majority, overwhelming majority of politics and policy editors and reporters are men and they're overwhelmingly white. And, and what all. that means, yeah, is that for better or for worse, and I think for worse, uh, you know, women aren't accurately reflected in newsrooms and therefore aren't accurately reflected in, in media coverage. And so what we're trying to do is to level the playing field, uh, to provide space for um, uh, reflecting on and elevating the voices of underserved women and other underserved gender minorities uh, in this really critical moment in history.
2: Emily, I, I, I love the fact that you all are incredibly mission-based and I can appreciate the representation need. I worked very closely with uh, two of the largest newspapers here in in Detroit and supporting their their editorial staff, and I absolutely 100% agree with you how much that's necessary. And I can almost imagine, once you all get started, where this can go. And just thinking about politically in general, how many women were running for for elected positions prior to then and how many more have been encouraged to do so? Do you think that your organization can 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 be a catalyst for that and increase the number of women in representation and, and how and how do you want to continue making making sure that effort goes on? I mean, I think that's a critical piece of the equation for us. Look,
0: I, I I firmly believe that the more women see themselves reflected in politics and policy coverage, the more empowered they'll be to get engaged, to get involved, because they'll see themselves and they'll see people who look like themselves. And we know, you know, that that folks are more likely to to get off the sidelines when they feel like there's a safe space for them to engage. So so yes, that's critical. Look, um, you know, uh, my my parents are both journalists. My mom started her career at the Detroit News, actually. Uh, she covered uh, politics for the Detroit News. As we know, so many American newsrooms um, are undergoing this this not just a gender reckoning right now, but a racial reckoning right now. And and we have major national newsrooms that don't look anything like the people they're aiming to serve. And I think. If we don't better improve representation in American media and coverage that accurately reflects communities, we're doing a disservice. We're not building trust. And most important, we're not writing the accurate national narrative.
1: I want to take back for one second, because you made a very important point that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. And that is, is that the majority of voters in this country are women.
0: 51% 51 of the American electorate. That is
1: the majority. Absolutely. Exactly. And I saw on your website that you actually had a more specific number than that, that said 73.7 million more women voted in 2016 than men.
0: Yep. Women are more deeply engaged, honestly, civically, than men are, and yet look at the percentage of seats that women hold, you know, uh, compared to men. A quarter of of women in, in, you know, state legislatures and in in Congress, you know, it's, we are not given an equitable seat at the table because the deck is stacked against us in so many ways, and what the 19th is hoping to do is to expose those disparities, to present solutions that help level the playing field so that women, in in many ways, take back their democracy.
1: One of the things that drives me crazy is when I hear people say that women were given the right to vote 100 years ago, because as we know, nobody gave women the right to vote. And isn't that where we are now in terms of what women still need to do in order to um, be completely equal? Is It's going to take a fight. Nobody's going to give it to us.
0: I think that's accurate. I mean, I think, you know, right. We know historically that this that this wasn't a gift. This was something that had to be fought for. And for women of color, it took another four decades, you know, five decades well into the civil rights movement for them to be extended the same courtesy of our, our right to vote. Um, and, and honestly, it's still a work in progress, right? Like suffrage is, uh, the story is not complete. This is still a battle. Suffrage is still a battle in many states. It's still a battle for, you know, uh, transgender Americans Americans who are in a pandemic trying to grapple with getting the, you know, IDs they need in order to cast their ballots, you know, all these conversations around, around mail-in ballots, around whether we're going to be waiting in line to cast ballots in this election, you know, suffrage, um, suffrage, is, suffrage is a living, breathing thing, and we have to treat it uh, as such. The fight is not over.
2: With you all being very mission-based for for women and the issues that face us, but still, in a world of journalism as it is today, what do you see some of the issues that journalists and journalism are facing and how how do you think that your platform can overcome those? You know, there are a number of, you know, cheap shots that go through and, you know, commentary, you know, of quotes and and a lot regarding social media. How do you all think you'll be able to overcome some of that? What's important that you can move past the difficulties that, that many are facing now in journalism?
0: Sure. I mean, a couple of important points there. I think the first thing I'd say is, you know, we have the luxury at the 19th of being a nonprofit. That means we aren't tied to the same uh, for-profit, you know, advertising-driven model that I think really challenges a lot of existing news organizations. So that means, you know, we're not on the hunt for clickbait. We, uh, we can write the, the most nuanced and thoughtful and accurate headline, not the one that, you know, inspires hate clicks. Um, we have really, I think, a responsibility and an opportunity to tell stories with nuance and with empathy and to aim to serve a really wide audience across the, um, you know, r- racial ideological spectrum. I think another opportunity for us is that we are not saddled with um, you know a lot of the sort of existing institutional challenges that that legacy news organizations are we get to build this from the ground floor so that means that we can say we're going to create the most representative most diverse newsroom in america and do it from day one we can say we're going to budget for six months of fully paid family leave for new parents you know four months of fully paid caregiver leave to care for elderly relatives we can build that in from the ground floor, set the standards there, and then it becomes just a part of the culture from day one instead of having to sort of try to to turn the Titanic of a major national news organization. So we have in many ways the flexibility and the luxury to do things differently. uh, And I think that creates tremendous opportunity.
1: But all that is very expensive. (laughs) How do you do that?
0: (laughs) Well, you can become a member at 19thnews.org. We, yes. it's Well, explain what that means. We are a donor-supported, member-supported newsroom. So as a nonprofit, our business model, you know, we seek... Underwriting from major foundations and philanthropists, from uh, corporations, corporate underwriting, um, from a a membership model, sort of like the public radio, public television, viewers like you, people who give $19 a year, $19 a month, because this is something they care deeply about. And so we are aiming for a really sustainable, lasting business model uh, for the 19th that combines a whole bunch of different revenue streams um, and seeks to make this a lasting uh, national media brand.
2: I like that the impact is very community driven. I, I, I read that you all will also be doing, you know, national events that bring readers into direct contact with, with elected officials. That in this day and age, in 2020, how important is that, is that we really get connected to those that we are seeking to, to empower into leadership positions. So talk to, to us a little bit more about that and about the actual connection that, that readers can expect from your organization.
0: Yes, this is really critically important. I mean, I think for me, the most important note here is that I don't think we move the needle on gender equity if the same set of people are talking to the same set of people all the time. You know, I think there's an, there's an echo chamber effect that already exists in so much media and, and we're aiming to break out of that mold by bringing, um, you know, women of very different life experiences together in conversation. Now, we had a really terrific plan to do this on a regional basis in the flesh, you know, um, with conversations in communities around the country. COVID obviously made that a lot more difficult. Um, We had been expecting to host sort of our inaugural summit this summer, this past summer uh, in Philadelphia. We were hoping to have, you know, a thousand people in the room we took all of it virtual and as a result of that virtual pivot, we didn't just have a thousand people in the room. We had one hundred and ninety thousand people tune in. And so I do think there wow. is a, was right. a, a moment. I mean, I think you know that's that's turning lemons into lemonade, right? But I also think there's a hunger for this type of conversation and dialogue. And in many ways, um, you know, we may never go back from from big virtual events that that allow so many people to be in conversation or to have, you know, direct access to the the people who represent them. I expect uh, once this pandemic is passed and once there's a vaccine and people are comfortable gathering again, we're gonna make a really concerted effort to get back out on the road because I do think that community uh, building is really important and, and a great way for journalists and newsrooms to gain trust. Um, but, but obviously, we're waiting on that until it's safe for our journalists um, and others to do that.
1: While we still have time with you, we want to know a little bit about you and your leadership journey. So where did you get your obvious deep commitment to gender equity and racial justice, social justice?
0: Yeah, well, both of those things. Honestly, I would say, uh, look, I'm, I'm. First of all, I'd like to start by saying I'm a work in progress, and I am uh, a white woman of privilege who have has had extraordinary opportunities over the course of my life. Um, You know, it's as I said, my parents are both journalists. Uh, It's in many ways not a surprise that I had the journalistic pedigree and the four-year college degree and all of those things that sort of put me on the path into this industry. I spent the last 10 years really building a community-based, a place-based news organization by way of the Texas Tribune. And that is a place where we really deeply cared about our audience and about building relationships on both sides of the aisle. Texas is obviously a very diverse state, uh, you know, racially, politically, very diverse. Um, And and so we found that you could build um, a nonpartisan, a bipartisan audience if you listened uh, and and if your readers saw themselves reflected in your work. And so that became really um, a critical piece of the mission for me. But beyond that, look, my mom was a barrier busting woman journalist, she had to fight her way up from the women's pages of newspapers in the 60s and 70s to, you know, getting, begging to cover Geraldine Ferraro, uh, you know, and, and uh, her, her VP bid. Um, you know, fighting for a place to cover the White House, to cover administrations, the Clinton uh, administration, to cover Hillary Clinton. I think I feel very strongly that the work is not done here and I look at the fight she had to put up uh, and I hope I can be an extension of that effort.
2: And
1: I have to ask, where were you during the Women's March in January of 2017? I know you had a new baby probably.
0: Yep. I mean, I would have been in the newsroom back in Austin, Texas, working for the Texas Tribune. I had uh, an, a roughly one-year-old at that point, uh, so I probably was uh, still very bleary-eyed and just barely sleeping through the night. Um, you know, I think these are these are such critical times um, for women, and, you know, we've probably never had a more pivotal election than the one that we are um, careening toward right now, uh, and I feel like it's... Um, it's my life's work to ensure that we give um, women and un- other underserved groups the, the tools and information they need to be the best and most engaged uh, versions of themselves in our democracy.
2: Incredibly exciting mission! You are doing great work, as you stated. Incredibly needed for for those of uh, us around the country who are lacking in that representation and really need a platform for our voices to be elevated. So, you know, as we lose the community, especially in in newspapers and a lot of things going national, your focus to bring that community back to people is
1: appreciated very much so. Thank you. you. So how can our listeners uh, find the 19th, get in touch with you, support you?
0: please, yes. So you can find all of our Im- amazing uh, storytelling at 19thnews.org. Um, on that website, you can also subscribe to our either daily or weekly newsletter, which is a digest of, you know, basically everything you need to know to be a, a politically engaged woman in America right now. Um, and you can also become a member. We would be beyond grateful for your support at truly any level. You can do that on our website, 19thnews.org membership. Um, everybody who becomes a donor by the end of this year uh, will get great swag showing up in your mailbox so uh, that alone should be reason to throw in 19 bucks if you can
1: thank you so much for being with us emily ramshaw ceo and uh, co-founder of the 19th i'm ann
2: doyle and i'm dana harvey let's Let's all all go power up power up
1: Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. Dana and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Ann LDR and
2: at Dana Harve on Twitter. And remember, power is currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.